Hello, I'm Dr. Jerry Crete in Atlanta, Georgia. I'm a marriage and family therapist, and I'm joined here with my co-host. I'm Dr. Peter Malinowski, clinical psychologist in Indianapolis, Indiana. Dr. Jerry, it is great to be with you today. It definitely is, and this is Be With The Word, and here we reflect on Sunday readings, but today we are doing a special edition, and we are reflecting on the Good Friday readings. So we are, yeah. We yep. are in Holy Week. We are, uh, you know, really experiencing the passion of Christ, and we are going to be looking at that. Hey, and if you don't, here's a spoiler alert. If you don't, <laughs> if you want to take a pause and listen to the readings read to you, we actually read the readings, and we do a special Hear the Word Good Friday edition uh, where you can podcast, where you can listen to us read the readings. So if you want to stop right now and go to that and come back and join us, that's great. Uh, if you haven't already. Listened. And that's really worth doing because in that I'm the narrator and Dr. Jerry does the voices of the different characters and the passion of our Lord according to St. John. It's very respectful, but it's a, it's a little more dramatic than you would, than you would get in your standard uh, interview. I have to get into the characters. Yeah. Now, I've refrained myself from doing French-Canadian accents or Scottish brogue or any kind of Irish brogue or any kind of accents <laughs> that probably I don't do well anyway. But uh, <laughs> although I think my French-Canadian accent is good, but <laughs> considering I'm half French-Canadian, right? <laughs> but no, we try to keep it respectful and try to get the right tone for uh, the, the message of the right. Especially if you have kids, that could actually really be helpful, I think, because it helps to delineate who's speaking when. So, mm -hmm. so I really like it. I really like that. So, mm -hmm. a little bit. All right. So, so Dr. Peter, this is Good Friday, and this is such a weird, weird, weird um, year. 2020 has turned out to be a strange year. This is, we, we're not, we don't have mass. We're not even going to have mass for Easter Sunday. I, I mean, that is, I don't know, like in my whole adult life, I don't think I've missed an Easter Sunday for any reason and let alone Good Friday. So I, I, I'm, you know, a little astonished, to be honest. I mean, it's just actually kind of disorienting, right? That we are going to be celebrating Good Friday, Easter Sunday, the whole Triduum at home, you know, or, you know, somewhere, generally not in a church because almost all the churches are closed. You know, and the, the requirements for social distancing are on, no public meetings. We are in very strange, very strange times here. Uh, yeah, I think it's leading to a lot of uncertainty, a lot of confusion, a lot of disorientation, and I am feeling it as well. Yeah. So I'm hoping, you know, even as we reflect on these readings and we look at them a little closer, I'm also thinking, you know, about how we're going to experience them. And uh, I'm hoping that our service here with the word might actually help people and be with the word might help people to like, you know, really think about the readings and so on. Um, but I know for me at my home, I've been doing liturgy the hours, not all of them, at least two or three a day. Um, I might try to up that, you know, for this, for Good Friday and so on. But I feel like, I know the Liturgy of the Hours is the, you know, prayer of the church, prayer of the monasteries. So I feel connected to the church worldwide, globally, by praying those prayers. 
um, even if I if I'm not able to go to mass. How are you handling it? So I'm actually still I have permission from the local pastor to like sit in the parking lot. And so I have been praying my holy hour in the morning on a metal folding chair in the parking lot of the parish. Wow. Um, I wear a snowmobile suit. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I wear a snowmobile suit and I sit in this in this metal chair and it's really interesting because I'm experiencing this whole time very differently than if I would be in the comfort of the pew in the church. And right. so, so many different like the last two days the sun has risen and the way that I sit the sun comes and hits me as soon as it breaks over the horizon and I mean it just felt like God was right there like as a gift you know and I was writing in my in my planner, um, you know, the reflections and the, the shadows were like almost like, well, they were almost like horizontal. And it was like, wow, this is beautiful. And I was hearing the birds, which I don't ordinarily hear. Um, and so um, in the midst of this kind of what looks like desolation, right? I'm sitting in this yellow folding chair alone in a parking lot by a deserted church. Um, you know, that, wait a minute, there's more here than meets the eye. And that's a lot of what we're going to be getting into with, uh, with Isaiah, mm. for example, is that there's much more here than meets the eye. Yeah. Wow. Well, thank you for that. That's, that's amazing. You know my prayer room, right? You've right. been in my prayer room. So that's where I sit. I've been spending a lot of time in that, my little chapel and uh, praying in there. I love it in there. Yeah, we should shoot a be with the word with you and your prayer chapel sometime. We should. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe Easter Sunday. Who knows? Maybe I'll go in there for that. I like that. I like that. You'll miss my Lord of the Rings poster and everything in the back. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Wow. Well, so, so we're all in this unusual situation, but yet we're all united. And I feel like that's the important message. Um, I honestly feel connected to people. I don't know if it's because I'm on Twitter too much, or, uh, or Facebook or whatever, and I'm hearing all these people's responses. So I'm feeling like I'm, there are way more people out there that I'm connecting with and that I know are praying and that I know care and I know are also feeling some of this uncertainty. So I feel kind of united to these people. Like I feel like I'm part of this global, ch- even if we're not in physical churches, I feel like there's this global mystical body of Christ that is not giving up and that it continues to pray, and, and I feel connected to it. I, I, I think you're right. I think there are some people who in this situation are like saying, it's time to double down on the prayer life. It is time to like really move on this, you know, uh, for a number of reasons. I mean, it could be fear, but it could also be, this is the time. This is the moment. We need to seize this opportunity because we are actually, you know, we're actually uh, in, in some peril. You know, this, some of this by this time is getting really close to home for some of us, you know, in terms of uh, people that we know that are that are infected or uh, co-workers, classmates, you know, that, that or people like that have lost jobs or, you know, that are uh, really dislocated in a variety of different ways. And and so it is time. I think there are a number of Catholics that are stepping up their game to rush the challenge of this. Uh, yeah. which, I think why God's giving us, giving us this situation, allowing it to happen, you know? Yeah. Well, I hope people might tune into your podcast. You have a separate podcast called Coronavirus Crisis Carpe Diem, which uh, I hope people will take, avail themselves to because you, you explore a lot of those That's issues. The whole point of that podcast is how do we, how do we, um, 
How do we take advantage of the opportunities or the possibilities that are, are coming to us in this? Because if we really believe in God's providence, if we really believe in Romans 8.28, all things work together for good for those who love the Lord. That means all things that are associated with this whole crisis uh, of the virus, right? There's all kinds of opportunities that, that God is going to give us. And if we look for those opportunities, if we seek them out, we're going to find them. Mm -hmm. There are ways that we are called to grow. There are ways that we are called to uh, pursue, 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 pursue virtue. There are all kinds of ways that we are called to be in deeper relationship and love with each other and with God that this whole virus situation is affording us. So, yeah. so, uh, so it's going in it with that vision. Can we see it? Can we, can we look for it? Or are we merely trying to survive? You know, we're just trying to survive. Well, well, that takes us, I feel like that's a good segue to really get into our readings. And, uh, Isaiah is just so powerful on these Good Friday readings because it really is speaking about Christ, you know, in a prophetic way, being literally, it says he was marred. He was marred. And I actually, I mean, I knew what the word meant, but I looked it up just to make sure, you know, to make sure it really was about being kind of like disfigured for being, you know, tainted, stained. Um, and so, and it says he was beyond human semblance. So there's a sense in which his humanity itself was 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 um, damaged. So disfigured. You know? so disfigured. Yeah. 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 And and to me that's profound because we know that we were created in God's image, and God came and became human and was in fact marred and disfigured um, for our sake. And and the things that are said are like he had no stately bearing. You know, that he was not attractive, that he was spurned and avoided. And he's actually called a man, in Isaiah, he's called a man of suffering. And, and, I, and I, I really have to sit with that because we, of course, just view suffering as something to be avoided, right? And, and it's just simply negative. And this is a theme we've talked about, I'm sure, a lot. And as trauma therapists, we both... You know, we both want to relieve the suffering of others. I mean, that's what we're trying to do. And yet, he was a man of suffering. And he took, he accepted, willingly accepted intense suffering for our sake. And I'm curious, like, what that actually then means, right? What does that mean to each one of us that he would be a man of suffering? And how does that affect our sense of our own suffering in our own lives. Right, because how you construe suffering, how you make sense of that psychologically, I think is, this, is a central question as to whether you're going to have a sense of peace and joy in life. Yeah. Yeah. If, if how you approach suffering says so much about how much, you know, you're going to have. Mm -hmm. So what we see here in our Lord is not just the accepting of the suffering, but the embracing of the suffering. And there, therein lies the redemptive value of the suffering, right? Because that's mm -hmm. the critical factor right there. You know, I'm just suddenly struck, like <laughs> we didn't pre prepare this beforehand, because I know what we're kind of our, my theme, our theme together we discussed before was around the paradox of our dignity and yet suffering. But, you yeah. know, um, I'm just immediately thinking about Viktor Frankl. Okay. And yeah, who is a psychologist, who is a Jewish psychologist, or I think he might have been a psychiatrist. And he, uh, yeah, he, he actually had treated, uh, I believe in Austria, he treated 
uh, women, he was in charge of a women's ward in a part of a hospital who had attempted suicide. So he was working with women who had attempted suicide. And then, of course, he gets taken away into concentration camps. And, and if you read his book, um, Man's Search for Meaning, he, um, he describes his experience. It's powerful. And I can remember when I first read that book and I was taking notes, I actually thought his description of suffering was the most Catholic I had ever read before of suffering. And this was by a Jewish psychiatrist in Auschwitz, right? And, and I should have grabbed it and so I could rhyme off or quote some of it. Um, but the point was that he actually found a deep, deep level of humanity when all of what external humanity had, had been peeled away. He actually found a deep level of humanity and, and meaning when, when by external standards and normal secular standards, there wouldn't be anything left. And, and I feel like that is such a, that's exactly what Isaiah is also expressing in this passage is that when everything had been taken away and, and it says that the kings of the world stand speechless. Right. Kings are kind of representing the, the secular world that they're looking at him and they're speechless because they don't really understand it. And, and yet he's expressing a greater kingliness a royalty or power in his suffering than otherwise. Right, right. And that's a paradox of all paradoxes, that he actually expresses his kingness or his royalty in this most horrible, demeaning, degrading state. His ways are not our ways. You know, his thoughts are not our thoughts. And if you evaluate them according to just the lights of natural human reason, you're not going to understand. You're yeah. going to just, you're going to stand speechless just like those Kings. It's not going to make any sense. Yeah. This is not something the cross you cannot reason your way to, you know, that's, right. why a, that's why it's a, a stumbling block. You know, that's why it's a laughing stock. And that's why um, it is the symbol of our faith. But it's yeah. also the thing that makes our faith in a lot of ways, I think, at least on the surface, unappealing because people can't wrap their minds around mm-hmm. on the cross. Do you yeah. remember? Yeah, no, I think that's brilliant. Do you remember the um, movie? Oh, my gosh. It was, I think it's called A Beautiful Life or something like that. And it's Italian. Mm-hmm. Do I have the right name for it? And it was an Italian director, and he writes it about, it's about, and the director is act, acts in it, and it's about him and his son, and they're in this concentration camp and and the 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 director i remember um benino something that he actually i can remember he actually watched the movie with pope john paul ii like and i remember him writing like how stressful that was can you imagine you made this movie and and you you, you're actually watching it with the the pope asks you to come in and watch it with him Uh, i can't even imagine but the movie was beautiful had you seen it i'm not sure if you'd seen it i was i was thinking of a different one um Okay, but but it, but in that movie, it's the same idea. I think think as Viktor Frankl, where where it's like in this case, this is a guy who's in horrible circumstances in a concentration camp with a young son, and he creates a fantasy of what their life is like, you know, in order to help the son kind of deal with 
this this horrible existence and it was just a beautiful story of a father you know kind of doing that but 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 what i think was expressed beautifully in this movie was that he saw a deeper truth and a deeper meaning despite the externals he saw something profoundly beautiful even in their horrible moments right and i feel like that is you know that's what the cross is even and i and i believe i mean people sometimes argue like did mary have any you know what was her passion like like was it external internal blah 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 st john what did the apostles all experience and i and i have to believe this is my, it's an opinion it's totally my opinion nobody really knows but but i have to believe that that john and mary as grieved as they were as what was going on externally saw past it that there was something powerfully beautiful, meaningful, and cosmic, if you will, happening in that moment that was profound. That even though people didn't see it, like even you see Peter run, you know, oh, we're, we're going to. <laughs> On Sunday morning, you see Peter and Mary run, right? Or Peter and John race to right. the tomb and John beats them. But, but, but they don't get it 100% even at that moment. And yet they do, there's something profound happening. Yeah, they, they, was, but they didn't. They didn't have their minds wrapped around it, right? Yeah, they knew something was going on, and I think a lot of the challenge of the cross is: can we be humble enough to acknowledge the limitations of our vision, and can we be humble enough to be enlightened by our Lord? Can, yeah. can we receive the light from our Lord, or do we have to try to generate our own light? And I think that's the, one of the great gifts of this whole situation with the coronavirus is that, you know, the things that we relied on, the routines, you know, the, the, the externals, the superficial thing, I mean, that's all being stripped away. There's a lot being taken away right now. And yeah. it provides us that opportunity to say, okay, whoa, there's something totally different going on. You know, can, I, can, can, we, can we embrace that? And can we embrace that today on Good Friday? Can we embrace that, you know, as we go through the tritium, you know, because... The only reason that this whole thing is allowed to happen the way that it's happening is for the greater good of those who love the Lord. You know, they're working for a greater good. But I, I think that what the greater good sometimes is just recognizing the depth of meaning in life and the beauty of every moment, yeah. even when it's disappearing in front of us. Right. Or even when it's, there's hardship and suffering, that somehow we can be connected to life is happening right and 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 sometimes life is happening is also death happening because it's part of it and and all of it is powerful and meaningful and it's and, and we are connecting with god through it and it is not devoid of meaning it's replete it's replete meaning and, and the meaning is often like turned on its head again because god's ways are not our ways christ in the gospel of john right yeah. reviled by the um by the religious authorities of the day, right? Reviled by the high priests, right? The Pharisees and the scribes, and 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 rejected by the civil authorities, right? The civil authorities, Herod and Pilate, you know, um, not understanding him at all, not protecting him, you know. Admittedly, un the trial was a farce, right? I find no guilt in this man but yet he's still condemned to death, like an absolute breakdown of the 
established religious order and absolute breakdown of the established political order because there were rights that even oppressed peoples had within the Roman Empire which were just discarded because Pilate was afraid of the uh, Jews threat to report that he was making friends with a presumed king right so all of these civil and 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 religious supports were breaking down for Christ right you could see how he might experience the the tremendous um the tremendous pain of, of those failures of people who should have stood up for him, right? Right, right, right. The isolation and the loneliness, right, uh, from everybody but his mother. And St. John, to some degree, being able to be there at the foot of the cross. But St. John also fled. You know, he fled from the garden um, of Gethsemane. Um, you know, so, so all of those things that we're experiencing, Christ has experienced in spades. You know, everything that we're experiencing with this whole coronavirus situation Christ has also experienced, you know, in his passion. Uh, and that's an amazing thing if we can unite ourselves to that. And if we can unite ourselves to the other Christians, the other Catholics that are experiencing this right now in the mystical body of Christ, that's a real thing. I mean, and that's really being driven home. And that's what I was really picking up on on what you were saying right at the beginning of this, of this, uh, of this show, Jerry. You know, it's your, but you're sensing that. So I don't think it's just, uh, I think it's just being reflected in the communications people are having through Twitter or Facebook or social media or whatever, emails, you know, but I think it's, it, that's just reflecting a deeper sense of uh, certain members, the leaven in the body of Christ coming together. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So this is the moment. And I think that seeing um, the Pope when he did the thing, so this would be two weeks ago now, but uh, where he did the benediction and the other prayers, I felt moved by that because I felt like he felt a little bit frail and tired, but very, it was beautiful. I was so happy to see him do the Eucharistic benediction. And I felt a little bit like, even though he looked alone, we're all watching. So he's not alone and none of us are alone. And in fact, the the body of Christ is going to be victorious that we are through the Eucharist, through our faith, we will conquer this. And uh, it's just, it's moved me and, and, and those little moments and other moments, even in moments in our own prayer life, even if we're sitting in our chapels or if we're sitting in parking lots, like you're doing, we're all rising up. This is the leaven. This is the, the, we are the body and we are, we aren't going to be, we're we're not silent, uh, at least not in prayer to God. So worship and we do not need the civil or ecclesiastical authorities to like perform wonderfully or beautifully you know in all of this we don't need that we need to commit to what what we need to do in this moment in this day right we need to live out our duties of state we need to live out our our vocation in life right and not worry about the rest of it you know because yeah. god can use God can use the uh, the hatred of the high priests. He can use the hatred of the Pharisees. He can use the, the fear of Pilate. He can use the contempt of Herod. He can use all of that stuff. Yeah. yeah. And I think he can use this virus because he can, even among people who um, are not Christian, um, I think that they're having, we're all having to face life or death issues. We're all like Viktor Frankl in Auschwitz on some level. We don't know if we're going to live or die. 
we never do. <laughs> but this, this virus has sort of made it a little more real for people. And maybe it's going to help people actually explore that and actually have to think more and, 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 and maybe allow people the opportunity to see where God is working in their life and how he can transform suffering and how there is a meaning deeper than there's a meaning that is more profound through Christ than the world has to offer. That's right. It's kind of empty. We live, we die. That's it. It's going to shake us out of our complacency because we can't just do the same thing we did last year. We right. can't shuffle through another year. We can't shuffle through 2020 like we may have done in previous years. So, so that's yeah. a simple thing. And yeah. so you've got some, you've got some, uh, some actions. We've got oh, some yeah. So our action item, right? Because yeah. we're, we're really the topic today was the paradox well, we didn't really explore our dignity, especially we talked about that in previous episodes. But I had the, the idea that was striking me and that we were discussing before and, and you helped me flesh out was this idea that we have this dignity in Christ, right? We are created in his image. We're redeemed by him. We're children of God, all those good things. And yet at the same time, we suffer. And sometimes it's, it's difficult and painful. Sometimes there's loss in our lives. Sometimes there's like lack of success, various things. There's things that we suffer. And how do those two things coexist? Well, they coexisted in Christ, <laughs> Good Friday, that he was both the king of kings and he was a suffering, a suffering servant. And so um, how, so, so in a little, the, the thought here was in terms of a takeaway from that theme was embracing and uniting with the mystical body of Christ, which both has a dignity beyond dignities because we're the, mystical body of Christ, right? But also suffers in this world. You know, we suffer without the Eucharist. We suffer without, you know, being able to always have access to our priests. Sometimes we don't have any, we might not. And so how can we unite in prayer? And, and so the takeaway is to unite in prayer and to recognize that truth. And remember that your psychology is going to rebel against that, you know, because there is a natural desire. There's a natural understanding that we weren't made to suffer. That wasn't why we were created. Suffering came in with the fall of gar the Garden of Eden. So our natural lights, our natural reason, our psychological faculties are going to react against the suffering. And we can go with that reaction, right, and repudiate it and lose the redemptive value of that suffering. Or we can bring in the light of faith. So this is where we really need the light of faith to illuminate our natural faculties. So there's this interplay between the spiritual and the natural, right? And so that's where, you know, we need divine revelation because we're not going to just reason our way there. We really do need to receive that grace into ourselves, right? So that's why we can't just make it on a purely secular, on a purely secular understanding of psychology. Otherwise, you don't really have hope. You just have optimism. And optimism is not going to get you through uh, something like this. You know, you've got to have something more than that. Um, and so, so that's one way that I would be thinking about how we tie in the psychological aspect of this. We want to start with the faith, right? You want to, and then use that to inform the psychology. We don't start with the psychology and use that to inform the faith. Hmm. Wow. That's very cool. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so we do have to wrap up. We hope we've, we, we ask, we're praying for all of you to have a blessed Holy Week blessed good friday and of course a wonderful easter we will have also an easter show so we have two this week 
and because uh, it's you know it's Easter. Because we love you. And 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 so, um, but join us, please. Uh, we mentioned earlier uh, Dr. Peter's podcast on the coronavirus crisis, and also I've, there's a course out called uh, "Be Called Is Restoring Marriage After the Discovery of Pornography." So um, this is a course designed for couples. Uh, although individuals can take it as well and get lots out of it. It is actually designed for couples. There's tons of marriage work in there. There's tons of help support, help and support for dealing with this uh, pornography or sexual addiction. And uh, there's activities for both male and female as well as... Let me tell you something about that. If that is an issue in your marriage, you've got to do something about that. And I don't, there's not a better course on the planet for Catholics and Christians to take as a couple than this course. I'm just going to say that straight up. You go check it out. If there's some sort of problem with, you know, you can't afford the, the money for the course or whatever, talk to us. We're not going to have the money stand in the way of you getting what you need. But let's let's get real. I mean, if there, are, if there are couples out there and we know that there are that are struggling with this, let's get real. Let's take a look at this. Let's take it seriously. Or if you know of a couple, you know, let them know about it. Let's get the word out about that. So, yeah. So Jerry's not going to say it that strongly because he's modest and it's the course. <laughs> telling you all about. So let's do that. Thank you, Peter. Thank you. Appreciate it. <laughs> all right, guys, we will see you shortly for the Easter Sunday edition. But until then, be still. Believe. Be loved. Take good care. God bless you.